Welcome to Maximize Your Influence, your resource for the top persuasion, influence, and negotiation techniques that will help you maximize your success in life and business. And now, here are your hosts, Kurt Mortensen and Steve Olson. Welcome to episode 107 of Maximize Your Influence. I'm Steve Olson here with Kurt Mortensen as usual. We're locked and loaded with another episode, and we want to remind you we're still uh, using shameless bribery to get iTunes reviews. So if you go to iTunes, leave us a review, and then email us at maximizeyourinfluence at gmail.com and let us know you left the review, and we will send you free stuff. Calling it free stuff is not a great sales pitch. But we've been talking about this one a while. I'm I'm kind of running out of gas on it. <laughs> it's such a great plug. I mean, hey, it's a win-win for everyone and it's great stuff, great training. You've got to have the shameless plug. I don't know what yeah, else to say. Yeah, you got to have it. Put a little scarcity on it. This is the last Ooh. Week. Ooh, see, we didn't even talk about that. That's random. <laughs> but it's the last week. It's been so decreed by Kurt. So if you want to take advantage of this, Go leave us the review on iTunes, email us at MaximizeYourInfluence at gmail.com, and we will give you a free coaching session, no strings attached. You want to know about your business, what you could do better, what you can improve upon, that's what we'll talk about in the coaching session, and plus you get a free subscription to University of Persuasion, all for the cost of less than a Honda Civic. That simple. simple. Less than the cost of a Honda Civic. We should probably find out what a Honda Civic costs, yeah. but we know it's yeah, less. Yeah, it, it's definitely less. <laughs> we just don't know this retail value. We'll figure <laughs> yeah. it out. So, and if you don't know what we're talking about on the Honda Civic, you just need to listen to the show more because that's the built-in running gag that is not very funny, but we still insist on doing it. <laughs> we're trying. It's going to work someday. Someday yeah. it's going to work. Someday you're going to laugh at the Honda Civic. Someday. Too. Someday. <laughs> I was in Vegas over the weekend. Oh, yeah. Do oh, tell. Vegas. It's, it's just it's such Vegas. a wonderful and terrible place. <laughs> <laughs> we went to a football game down there. And UNLV plays at Sam Boyd Stadium, clear out on the southeast side of Vegas. And when you go there, you kind of feel like you're going to a swap meet in Afghanistan. <laughs> now that we've offended our Las Vegas people, but yeah, please oh, go man, ahead. Oh <laughs> man, the parking lot is just the worst thing you've ever seen. It's all dirt with asphalt chunks everywhere, people getting high-centered. <laughs> And, you know, the game's oh, at 7.30 at night, and the lowest the temperature got, I think, was 96 degrees. That sounds like Vegas. Yeah, pretty rough place to watch a game. But the people were very nice, although most college football games, I think, Kurt, I could be wrong, a, a lot of college football stadiums don't sell alcohol in the stadium. And they do not abide by that rule at Sam Boyd Stadium in Vegas. <laughs> and everybody was pretty liquored up way, way early on. In fact, we are walking to our seats, and... These two women got in a big fight and ran into me, and I got beer spilled on me, and then people slipped in the beer, and it was just a really classy oh, wow. way to start the visit. <laughs> yeah, that'll do it to you. I mean, they want to make their profit, but if you want unruly fans, that's the first thing you got to do is uh, open up the alcohol. <laughs> yep, works like a charm every time. <laughs> yeah, profit, unruly fans. Profit, I guess they went for the profit. It is Vegas, right? right? It is that's Vegas. exactly right. So mm. how was your weekend? Good. It's a soccer season, so doing a lot of soccer games and watching soccer games and sitting during soccer games and watching soccer games and cheering at uh, soccer games is pretty much my oh, weekend. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> sitting in your fold-out chair and 
chatting with the other parents and uh that's it yeah it's a whole nother world but uh yeah i'm used to that world because that seems to be the smarter choice now for a lot of the kids yeah, it's definitely getting more popular i i'll offend the soccer fans i can't watch it i can't do it do you watch golf I can watch like a major championship the last couple of holes when, you know, Phil Mickelson and Jordan Spieth or somebody are one stroke apart. But the three hours before that, I just don't care. A lot of people can't watch it, but they love to play it. So I guess it depends on where you're at. Yeah. But it is the world sport. I tell you, most of these countries I go to, soccer is the thing. It is the thing. It is the thing. So that was a bad idea for me to offend something that's on the upswing, right? (laughs) Yeah, you just offended the soccer people. That's a pretty big chunk. That might be the biggest chunk of people that we have offended on So this I will do a first on the podcast. I will ask for forgiveness from the soccer fans. <laughs> uh, I, I humbly ask your forgiveness for offending you. And it's just blatantly transparent as to why. I don't want to offend you because we need you to listen to the show. Yeah. There you go. It has nothing to do with me being really, really sorry about offending soccer because I still can't watch it. Did I just unwind it all? Gotta give it- yeah. yeah, kind of. You gotta say at least you're three percent sorry or something. You I would say I'm like one and a half percent sorry. <laughs> That's even lower than I would have gone. But okay. <laughs> you can of course defend us if you want to offend us. We'll put it on the show. Email us at maximizeyourinfluence at gmail dot com. Feel free to insult us, and if it's good enough, we'll put it on the show. I mean, we can dish it out. It's about time we took it. Yeah, we'll take it. We love offense. Yeah, stuff. send it in. <laughs> so. We've got a good old article here. Why don't we cue up the Urkel? All right. Your favorite, not mine, Urkel. (laughs) Here it is. If you're having a bad day and you want to do what the people, well, not what the people in Vegas did to feel better about themselves, because I think liquor can momentarily solve depression or make it worse. But Kurt's got an article about eight ways to feel better in a hurry. No liquor involved. Well, say that could be the ninth way if you want. It's yeah. <laughs> if you want to feel better in a hurry, that could be the one because you are feeling better probably because you're sleeping. Well, these after ways a while. are but without anyway, consequences, from what I understand. There you go. Without yeah. the headache, here's the other ways that you could do it, especially if you're at work. One of the things we've talked about before is how our thoughts control our emotions, emotions control our actions. We can reverse that to where our actions control our emotions, and our emotions control our thoughts a lot of times. So this is from Sylvia Huang. Hopefully I've got that That right. right. I'm glad I've got your approval on that one. She talks about eight ways. One is to just change your posture because when people get depressed or sad, they get more compressed, they slouch, they hunch. Our legs are tucked under our bodies a lot of times. They said, hey, just stretch out. I don't know if you've seen people kind of stretch in the victory formation, their hands above their hand. That has been proven to change our physiology and how we think. So just our posture. I guess it's kind of fake it till you make it, just to change your posture and don't get kind of that depressed look, that depressed feel. She also goes into practice deep belly breathing. We know that oxygen can really help out. It really helps the nervous system. She talks about seeing the big picture, thinking about you know why you're doing it. That what do you? What's the big picture? What is your why? Is it your family? Is it a goal? Is it a charity? What is that big picture? She talks about smiling. We know that even in retail settings, a smile increased sales 20, 30%. We know for customer service, putting a mirror, have them stand up, have them smile, changes the reactions and perception of the people on the other side of the phone. She says, turn on music, sing and dance. Now, I don't know if that'll work for you or me. Your coworkers might think you're strange. You probably want to go in a separate room and do that, but maybe a little music might help you out, go to the car, something like that. That just changes every aspect of the game. Then here's the one for you. Have a big glass of green juice and vitamin D. Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay. 
which you do all the time yeah. anyway. The kale and the ginger and the parsley and the carrot. I'm sure you've got that juicer in there. So the vitamins will do that. In fact, there's that one comedian. He's really overweight. I don't remember his name. He said his doctor told him to juice. And he was driving him nuts, and he ended up juicing a ham. So I thought that was kind of funny. That might be more your round to juice a ham instead of kale, ginger, and parsley. <laughs> Don't think about that too much. It leads you to a not happy place. Oh, that's, that's, right. that's gross. That just reminded me of, he's like, I got so hungry, I juiced a ham. <laughs> There's so many things wrong with that. We won't go into that. But... Her last one is, recall how you overcame a similar incident in the past, kind of a victory list. We've done that before. We've talked about it on the show to where sometimes when you're down and depressed, the victory list, what you've done in the past, your degrees, your accomplishments, that big sale, whatever was big accomplishments that you've had in the past, and a lot of those feelings will come back, the depression will kind of leave, and those are some simple, quick things that you can do to get past just that momentary depression, the sadness. I'm not talking about clinical depression, but... Just one of those days, it's just not going right. You're not feeling it. Those are some things that could really help yeah. you. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And then that big picture, like you said, you, you recall successes in the past or times in the past when you were a little depressed or you felt like a failure and life, you know, life goes on. It's not the end of it. And that's the thing. Life goes on. What's the big picture? It's a momentary thing. And, and that's what we see with great persuaders, great salespeople. They only get beat up. They lost the big sale. Someone just ripped them a new one. Whatever it is, all right, it does. It stings. It hurts. Nobody likes it, but they have that ability to bounce back fast. They have a system in place to where after a few minutes, they're back in the game. Who's next? Let's make this Right, happen. right. Well, that's good. That's good. We're going to have to put that one on the blog because I think people are going to want to read that whole article and, and refer back to it. I know I'm going to want to. Yeah, let's put that on the blog for further reading and implementation. That's also. right. And if you've got tips as to uh, how you you know give yourself a kick in the pants when you're feeling down, because in sales, you can't afford to be that way for long. You've, you've got to be on pretty much all the time and you know, take a break here and there. But yeah, these kind of tips that, that we can all use are certainly a big help. So if you've got any, feel free to send them in to us. And as always, if they're good enough, we'll put them on the show. But if they're terrible... You'll never hear from us on the topic again. And one last tip there. A lot of salespeople or anybody thinks that they can have a bad day, put on that fake smile, and people can't really figure out what's going on. They feel it. They know something's up. They might not know what it is, but you got to get yourself in the right state to get them in the right state to make sure you are persuasive. There you go. Good stuff, Kurt. Thanks for going over that with us. We want to get into the main part of the show here. And last week we talked about meta programs and how they're an advantage over using personality types because with the personality type, you know, you got to get your big reference card out and say they're a green dog and it's Tuesday and the weather is cloudy. So therefore I got to say this, that's me being facetious and saying that it's too complicated. <laughs> you can't use it on the move. And so metaprogramming is a better, more effective way to leverage personality types or leverage certain personality characteristics in your favor. And you and I were talking, and there's a topic out there that ties into this, but it's kind of a groaner. People can roll their <laughs> eyes. Uh, many times when you're asked to give corporate trainings on this topic, people get more hostile, which I think is quite ironic. But <laughs> what is the terrible topic that I think if you really stop and think about it, every salesperson every couple of months needs to be reminded of this? Because we all start getting off the rails on this one. What's the topic? The big one we all need to work on that we never want to talk about, that we never want to hear about, is listening. So everybody oh. moan. And that's a big aneurysm for me, too. 
hey, can you do listening training? Because it is as a hostile audience. They don't want to be there. They don't know how to listen. I'm thinking, oh, you know how to hear. But if you look at the challenges in the sales process, if you look at challenges in marriages, communications, in the workplace, they all have a root in listening. Can we truly listen or are we hearing? Do we understand what people are saying? I mean, look at the workplace, divorce rates, sales rate, whatever it is, it all comes back to truly understanding somebody. And it's amazing to me that when people come to listening training, how hostile they get and they don't want to be there. They don't want to learn it. But I'm telling you, we all have issues here. Everyone rates their listening skills really high. But that is a huge complaint. I mean, truly listening with your ears, your eyes, and your heart. Not vomiting the 32 reasons why they should do it, but understanding them. And when you can truly listen, they'll tell you everything you need to know to persuade them. But very few people spend the time to listen or really have learned the art and science of listening because persuasion, sales, influence, negotiation is so much easier when you truly listen and then you understand what they want and you can fulfill their needs. We all know that you've got to be listening more than talking in a persuasive presentation. Is there a hard number here, like a ratio that we should follow? So you're listening 70% of the time and talking 30% of the time. That's kind of a general number. Again, it depends on the meta program, the personality, but that's a good, maybe two to one ratio is kind of what you're looking for. But Kerr, what if my prospect is sitting there folding his arms with that look on his face of, hey, impress me? Mm-hmm. Say come, say what you got to say. He's not talking. I can't listen. I, I've got to obviously prove some value here or something to get this guy to open up. What are some pointers there? Well, you've got to decide if that's what you're getting right out of the shoot. It might just be time to leave. Yeah. You might even want to say, well, why did you want me here? What is your challenge? What is your solution? It all comes back to questions. If there's a relationship there and they truly have a need to listen to you, you start off by asking those questions and finding out what exactly is going on and why you should be there. And there's some great questions that you can ask. You can say, well, tell me, why did you decide to see me today? When did you start? Or what areas do you want to improve on? If you could fix one thing, what would it be? On a scale from 1 to 10, what do you think of? How much money has that cost you? I mean, these great questions really kind of dig in and find that pain gets them talking. And the key factor that nobody does, but everyone's heard, is we always answer a question with a question, but it's very rare that people do that because they're all excited because they have the answer to the question and they answer it versus really finding what's going out. So answering a question with a question is really important. I went to a training once, and many of our listeners are familiar with uh, David Sandler. And the trainer said, if you feel it or think it, say it gently. (laughs) And in this instance, you've got a prospect who is just not volunteering a lot of information. So you're obviously thinking or feeling, hey, this guy doesn't even want to be here. So therefore, do we just say that gently? Is it okay to say, hey, you know what? I'm not feeling like you're really interested in what I have to say. No offense if we just wrap this up. Is that what you want to do? Is that okay? Sure. You know, it depends on the situation, the personality, but if they're not opening up and you have to back up, they're probably doing it because they're thinking, I don't want to be sold. I don't want to reveal my cards. I don't want, I don't want. And so they're getting very negative and they're just kind of trying to play in that role. But yes, well, why did you call me in today? It seems like you're not interested. What is the main thing? What do you think? And you'd be surprised a lot of times they do open up. So, well, no, no, this, you know, I'm having a bad day or they'll say this or something to where, you have opened them up. You might say, I know your time's valuable. My time's valuable. Why did you call me today? It seems like you're not interested right now. And call them out. Call them out and see what's up. Because 
if they stay in that mindset, if they never open up, you're not going to be able to persuade them anyway. Oh, yeah, you're right. That's absolutely right. What are you going to accomplish by allowing them to stay there? And it's that classic power struggle between persuader and persuadee, if that's even a word. They're not showing any interest, so dance more, right? Dance harder. Make make a flashier presentation. Say more stuff, and that's going to change things. And that's why we do this podcast episode on listening, because when in the history of persuasion has it ever changed things? When has talking more got the guy who's not talking to open up? And yeah. using a harsh, maybe it's a harsh technique, is a fork in the road. Either the guy is just humoring you and he's going to politely excuse himself after you say that and say, yeah, well, I am not really interested. I don't have time for this right now. Nothing you can say is going to change that. So why waste your time? And in fact, at a minimum, it preserves your posture for the future, right? When you do run into this guy again. But like you said, if the guy's busy or if he's playing poker, it flushes that out, and then you at least have something to work with. And that's the thing. Maybe they aren't interested. So, yeah, I'm not interested. Then you've saved yourself a load of time. Or they might just open up and tell you exactly what it is. Because a lot of times people get into that resistant mode when you come across as too salesy or even look like a salesperson. They have to resist versus when you've opened them up and you're the consultant and you have found their pain, you have found their problem, you know what's going on. Then all of a sudden they want to listen. They want to ask you questions because you're there to solve their problem and they believe that you can. That's good stuff. What else on listening should we be aware of? I, I always tell my daughter, and I think I said this on last episode, that you've got to listen with your body, <laughs> not just your ears, because <laughs> she's squirming on the couch, looking everywhere. What kind of body language should we exhibit to whether it really is sincere listening or not, <laughs> at least make it look like it is? And I get in trouble with that, too, with my wife. She's like, I need your eyes. Need your eyes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so we all have to relearn that time and time again. And, and that's a great point is you need to show them they're the most important person in the world. You're giving them undivided attention. They have your eyes. Your shoulders are squared up. Your feet are pointing towards them. You're not playing on your cell phone. You're not looking at your watch. You're not, if you're on the phone, taking call waiting or another phone call. You are engaged, listening with your ears, your eyes, and your heart, and you will be able to pick up everything you need to know to persuade them. And that's a key factor. We get so distracted. You know, in the movie Up, Squirrel, you know, we've talked yeah, about that yeah. before. And that's what happens a lot of times. We get so distracted, but you've got to be engaged. Maybe taking notes will help you out, having that eye contact. That and that alone will make a huge difference in your ability to listen. Yeah, I promise this comment is going somewhere, but... I don't have an Apple Watch. A lot of my friends do. I'm kind of a sucker. It's well documented on the podcast. I'm a sucker for Apple products. I'm not falling for this one yet. And I've asked my friends, well, do you like your Apple Watch? What do you like about it? And one of the things that I've noticed that if they're a sales or, or in business uh, type person, they all tell me, oh, it's great. If I'm in a meeting and I get a text, I don't have to pull out my phone and look at it. I just glance at my watch really quickly and nobody knows that I'm really reading a text, which is code for, hey, I can look like I'm listening without actually doing it, right? <laughs> well, that's not perfect listening, but that's better than looking at your phone, I guess. A quick glance, that would be helpful. <laughs> uh, I guess. But yeah, you're still kind of glancing down at the watch. I, I think it's because it, it turns on. You can see there's something going on on that watch, right? Yeah. If it's someone you're talking to the first time and you keep looking at your watch, you're looking at the text, but they think you're looking at the watch. Either way, it's probably going to hurt the process a little bit. Uh, definitely, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> what else should we be aware of? I mean, we talked about the physicality of listening. Is there 
anything else that we should be aware of? I mean, you've got to actually do it, I guess, but can we repeat things back or is there a way to confirm, hey, I heard you and, and I understand what you're going through, what you're feeling, et cetera? Yeah, so when they're in there, you're engaged. Remember, you're always answering questions with the questions. You're truly listening. You're looking them in the face. You're showing that sincere interest. But also, we keep the conversation going with questions. But when they have something, make sure you pause before you reply. It looks like you're thinking about it. That's one thing that can help you out. That encourages them to talk. Maybe taking notes shows them that you're truly listening. And that silence is a powerful one, too. If you're silent, they keep talking and talking and talking. That could be a powerful thing to keep them going to get the information that you need. But do validate. Repeat the question back to them. Because I would say probably about half the time when you hear something, you want to solve it. But what they said and what they really mean tend to be two very different things. So so you might say, you know, what you're saying is this. And they say, well, yeah, or well, no, what I really meant. And it kind of helps them fine-tune exactly what the challenge, the issue, the problem is. And that really helps you out because nothing's worse. And we've said this on the show many times than solving the wrong objection, mm -hmm. answering the wrong question. Even though they said it, they did say it. I They did. But you've got to make sure that is the issue because a lot of times they don't tell you the real issue. You've got to find it. Yeah, I've noticed repeating back the key phrases of the problem. So you're telling me that such and such and X, Y, Z happened and that's caused a problem for you over here. Am I understanding this correctly? And there's something psychologically that happens there when they heard it go back to them, like you said. They might say, well, no, they might revise something. Without you checking in on and asking if you understood correctly, maybe you're speaking different languages. But also, too, when they say, yeah, you understand, you're just at such a better advantage because now whatever you say is taken with a lot more credibility. It's taken a lot more seriously because somebody listened to the problem. Exactly, exactly. And sometimes persuaders get all tense about answering a question with a question. It can seem unnatural at first, but to them, when you do it the right way, it's very, very natural. And sometimes you can do a little double take. Well, it's too expensive. Oh, well, let me kind of explain that a little bit. Well, wait, wait a minute. Why did you say it was too expensive? What were you expecting to pay? Or something along those lines to where to the prospect, it looks like you're answering the questions. You do a little double take and you still come around with that question. And when it's sincere, and you've come across as the consultant. They want to answer those questions so you can solve their biggest problem. Yeah, yeah. And the other thing, too, and this hurts all of us, we're all guilty, is that we tend to prejudge people that they're not going to buy, they won't be interested, they're not the type of person, they would never. And we've hit this topic hard, but it really hurts your ability to listen. It's one of the major challenges to effective listening is that prejudging or thinking about a response or not concentrating. But you've got to get in there. You've got to focus. You've got to treat them like the most important person on the earth. You cannot prejudge them because it sucks the life out of you. Just remember, everybody you talk to can do business with you or know someone that can and deserves your full energy and everything you have to truly listen with your ears, your eyes, and your heart. You'll be amazed. They'll tell you everything you need to know to persuade them. Awesome stuff, Kirk. Thanks for that info on listening. I heard every word of it. Yeah, you did. Yeah, I did. <laughs> <laughs> so this week, persuaders listening to the Maximize Your Influence podcast might be a good idea. This is a simple, simple technique for me, but I'll just put a post-it note in front of my desk that says, listen. And it just reminds me to consciously know that when you get talking, when you get explaining how great you are, you might feel like that's what's going to move the needle and get the sale done. 
more often than not, that's not the case. It's hearing the prospect out so that they know that you understand so that when you do get the chance to talk, which is not more than 30 to 40% of the time, but everything that you say is taken a lot more seriously because they feel like that you really do understand the problem. So and that's even when you know the answer, you still have to listen because they need to get it out. Oh man. Do you ever? It's frustrating. <laughs> it's frustrating, but you got to do it. It's a good use of time, be. even though you might feel like it's not. It's, exactly. a, it's a very good use of time. It'll save you a lot of buyer's remorse and answering questions over and over again. So just spend the time up front and get it done with. All right, Kurt, cue up the ninja. All right, Ninja Go. Okay, we've got a ninja. Like I told you, Kurt, I was in Vegas over the weekend. Plenty of ninjas and blunders in Vegas. Uh, this particular ninja isn't necessarily exclusive to Vegas, but whenever I go down there, I, I have a restaurant that I absolutely love. It's in my top five. It's a, called Javier's. It's a kind of a high-class Mexican food restaurant. They've got one in Vegas in the Aria Casino. There's a couple down in Orange County, California, and then one down in Cabo San Lucas down in Mexico. Awesome, awesome Mexican food. Go there. You will thank me if you go to Javier's. I love the place. So I'm down there with some family, and we're about ready to go over to a football game at the stadium that I was making fun of earlier. And I'm having a great meal, and everybody took off to the bathroom, and I'm at the table, and of course the bill shows up, right? (laughs) (laughs) So I thought, I'll pay the bill. And the waiter lays the bill down, and he starts making small talk. Oh, how you doing? You going to the game? Yeah, we're going to the game. Hey, you guys are going to be good this year. I saw you guys are going to be really good. Are you pretty excited? I said, oh, yeah. Well, hey, that's pretty awesome. Good luck tonight. Good luck tonight, right? Tell me all this stuff. And I know, just based on this guy, the previous conversation with him, he has no idea who the team is, if we're going to be any good, probably doesn't even follow uh, football. But did he get a huge monstrous tip? He certainly <laughs> did. He certainly did. And I knew what was going on, but I could I just appreciated it. I appreciated it that he laid it on real thick right when he put the check down and I uh, you know a persuader appreciates a good persuader. What can I say? That's a great point cuz let's say he wasn't the opposite fan of who they were playing or a fan and demeaned your team and yeah. and he thought it was fun. Yeah, they're no good. We're going to get you this year. We're going to stomp you. You're going to lose. Even though that's done and fun, the tip would have been a lot lower because the same thing happens. The exact opposite would have happened. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, <laughs> it was just done in a good way. And, and like I said, you know, a good persuader appreciates a good persuader. So, Ninja to Javier's in the Aria Casino, excellent work. Got a big fat tip as a result. And that's just the fact that people never tire of talking about something that they love and being told that something that they love is awesome. Right. It's fishing. It's football. It's some kind of a hobby. I violated at the beginning of the podcast and insulted soccer fans. So they hate me now. That was a bad blunder on my part. So very effective technique. And especially in that kind of a service industry to to compliment somebody on that kind of stuff works very well. Works every time when you're sincere and genuine. People love to hear it. It works. And they love to hear it even when you're not. Ingradiation still works when You're just going through the motions, but it's still fun for the person to hear. Awesome. Well, everybody, thanks again for listening to episode 107 of Maximize Your Influence. A reminder to follow us on Twitter at InfluenceMax. That's our Twitter handle. And you can also check us out on Facebook if we find interesting articles or hilariously ridiculous pictures during the week. We tend to put those up on our Facebook account. It's 
type Maximize Your Influence into the search bar, and you can follow us out there. We announce episodes there, too. So if you're the kind of person that doesn't listen to the show via iTunes or some source that automatically downloads the new episodes, and you listen from your computer maybe when you're at work or something, following us on Facebook or on Twitter is a great way to be alerted about new shows. You'll see it pop up, and you can just hop into your browser and listen to the show at MaximizeYourInfluence.com. So there you go. Shameless plugs are over with for the day. So is the episode. We appreciate you listening, and we'll catch you next week on another one of Maximize Your Influence. Take care. We'll see you next week.